0: Gather, gather near the doctors in the house. So then him your ear. The things he say might even make your day. He might even help your pain away. The doctor is in the house. Oh yeah. The doctor is in the house. Ready to rock and roll.
1: gentlemen dr ron here and i am in the house and i am fired up today fired up i really need something around my head because today the show is somewhat personal and it, is, it will definitely make your head explode no doubt about it so ladies and gentlemen those of you who have been faithful listeners you know for the for the last five weeks or so i have been bringing you programs that have to do with doctors and medical care like june 7th our doctors keeping us healthy on june 14th we had dr william wong and a noted naturopathic physician talk about naturopathic treatment versus rockefeller medicine or the medicine that the rockefeller foundation founded in 1910 which is now the ama and is a petrochemical pill for ill factory medicine on june 21st we talked about how to interpret your lab lab test is normal really normal or would you rather be optimal on june 28th we had Feel safer, come in and talk about breathing to get you out of that flight or fight way of living your life. And then last week, we talked about the vagus nerve and things that impact your vagus nerve to keep you calmer, to keep you in a state of parasympathetic tone, which means lower heart rate, lower respirations. and a better way to live. Today uh, is will accentuate the need for you to have an advocate in your medical care. I've told you that 85% of physicians are employed, so they're not going to go against their employer. I want to emphasize that you are the CEO of your own body and you have the right to ask questions and get answers before you allow anything to be done to it. Doctors are employed. They are there to follow the money. And if you are hospitalized, you are immediately at risk for a medical error. immediately at risk for a medical error. And this is what's happening uh, to uh, a friend of ours. Okay, so let's get somebody on here to make sure we know what we're doing. All right. Hello. Hello, is this J.R.
2: Um, no, this is K.H.
1: Okay, well, we're going to call you JR today, K.H., to keep things anonymous. Sounds good. All right, so let me just go on with what I started with, because I, I really want to bring this point home to our listeners that you are immediately at risk of a medical error once you go into the hospital. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen, medical errors are the third leading cause of death in the United States, beating out respiratory illnesses. So we have cancer, heart disease, and medical errors. It is estimated to be over 40,000 harmful and lethal errors daily. Let that number sink in, ladies and gentlemen, 40,000. And you'll see how JR is going to put this in perspective for you. Ten and a half percent of American doctors admit they made a medical mistake in the last three months. Think about that. There are twelve thousand unnecessary surgeries, seven thousand medication errors in hospitals, twenty thousand other errors in hospitals, eighty thousand infections in hospitals, a hundred and six thousand non-error negative effect of drugs. In other words, a drug was given and you had a side effect and nobody paid attention to it. And it hasn't gotten any better. It has not gotten any better. Medical mistakes are more commonplace than they should be. And a death cannot be recorded as a medical error. You know why? There's no code for it. If there's no code, you can't bill for it. If there's no code, you can't put it down as a cause of death on the death certificate. So all the numbers that you hear are underestimated. There's a study from 2013 that estimates the annual death for medical mistakes in the United States is 400,000. And this is from a John Hopkins physician, Dr. Macquarie. It's a serious and too frequent problem, ladies and gentlemen. And that taken into account also the fact that they estimate that 30% of all medical procedures, 30% of tests and 30% of medications are completely unnecessary and every time something is done to you, it opens the door for a medical mistake. That didn't need to happen. I just have to catch my breath, ladies and gentlemen, because this is hitting home. The AMA and all the other alphabet soups have not been protecting us. We've become a drug addicted nation Medical schools are forced to comply with standards set by the AMA, which is controlled by the big pharmaceutical companies. The AMA also owns all the codes. So they make money off of that. You know, there's 14 prescriptions per American in the United States yearly. 14 drugs are prescribed for each and every American. Compare that to how many big Macs an American eats per year. It's just two per per American. But 14 prescription drugs are prescribed for American citizens. So there's all kinds of books being written and, and, and getting censored like doctors of death. That's the Rockefeller allopathic medicine model, a pill for every ill. The drugs the prescribed drugs have more side effects than the ones you can buy on the street. and let's just take a quick detour about you know well oh it's 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 in the lancet it's in jama well they're all compromised too there is no clear line in any case between medical publishing and propaganda and it, it's a it is it applies to lancet jama all the medical journals that we used to rely on for good medical research are all compromised. And it all started to come out in, for the public to see in 2020 when the Lancet published a very fraudulent study that discredited the use of hydroxychloroquine for COVID. They later withdraw it, but it just think about it. It got through what they call a peer-reviewed study in other, words, other other physicians looking at it it should never have been published in the first place because the information was all made up and they should have known that so that being said uh, let's talk a little bit about uh someone that i know personally and uh Here's what, here's what'll happen, And then I'll have J. Arc fill in the blanks. This woman falls, gets taken to the hospital and has a hip replacement because of a fractured hip. Now, I don't know exactly what was done because I'm in Florida, she's in Pennsylvania, but apparently she had a ball inserted into her hip and J Arc can tell us more if he knows it. This woman has been a diabetic. And J.R., come in here and tell me if I'm wrong. About 50-some years, is that correct?
2: Yeah, over 50 years.
1: And she's in the medical field. She worked in the medical field. She has a a glucose monitor, insulin monitor. She knows what to do for her diabetes. She tells the medical staff, whoever they are, that she's in a lot of pain. And they all call her a wimp. She tells them that she needs insulin, that she doesn't need insulin, and they don't listen to her. Turns out, either because of a failed first surgery or a missed diagnosis, she's back in surgery fixing that same hip again. She comes out of surgery, and all the time she's being cared for, by so-called team of nurses and hospitalists. And that's, that, that's gonna be a, 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 a subject for a full hour show, hospitalists, what are they? Doctors that get out of their internship and go work for a hospital, they are employees, employees who are beholden to their employer. Did anyone ever ask her or take a history of her about her diabetes and what she does for it and so forth? Well, we'll let Jr. tell you about that. Okay, so bottom line is this, this woman's medical care was grossly mishandled. And one night she almost died. It, it took, thank God for her son being at her side and being her advocate. And we'll get into that about being an advocate. And I'll get into what the difference is between a physician and a nurse practitioner. You know, a physician, an MD or a DO, has about four years of graduate level education and has another three to seven years of a residency. And over all that time, they have about 12 to 16,000 hours of training. A nurse practitioner has two to four years of graduate education, no residency, and patient care hours required 500 to 720. Okay. So let's get back to our, our, our dear friend up in, in Pennsylvania, who is in, still in the hospital. And JR, tell, tell us what, what you remember uh, what happened to mom from the first time she got into the ER.
2: Um, so she fell, broke her hip. Um, they kept her in the ER that, the first couple nights, um, took her to surgery, released her back to the hospital. Everything seemed okay. Um, they gave her a steroid for the surgery, which we knew would spike her blood sugar. Um, totally expecting all this gets to rehab. She's in excruciating pain. Um, I don't know much about hip surgeries, but I, I'd always thought it was in and out. You're walking with a Walker the next day or a few days that wasn't happening. Um, on, I want to say four days into s in rehab, there's an in-house rehab at the hospital, four days into that, um, they get her up on a walker. She hears a pop. The, the, um, physical therapist also hears the pop. They set her back down, send her down for more x-rays, comes back clean. Not, that's what I've been told. Um. She still can't walk. She's, still, she's taken zero steps the whole time. Um, I want to say seven days into rehab. This, at this point, she's been in the hospital for 10 days. Seven days into rehab, uh, she gets dizzy, passes out. They lay her on the bed, send her down for a CAT scan on her brain. And while, they're, while she's back in the ER, they re-X-ray the hip, and it's broken again.
1: All right, let's just stop there, uh, JR. And during this time, was she seen by any physicians?
2: There was, I the thing that happens now is visiting hours are 10 to seven, or I'm sorry, 11 to seven. So I, I couldn't tell you what physicians went in there because they all come so early in the morning. I know um, an endocrinologist came I want to say day two after surgery, roughly. Um, and that's but, that's the only time an endocrinologist has came in uh, to see her.
1: Okay, so maybe a hospitalist uh, the the employed doctor by the hospital maybe was seeing her. Uh, but were her sugars uh,
2: reasonable? Uh, right after surgery, no, they were up in the high threes the first time around high threes uh at this point shame on me i was super passive with it all i took i I expected her to be in the hospital and to be safe and i wasn't on them
1: and during this time did, did did your mother indicate that she needed different type of insulin treatment than than she was receiving
2: yes yeah she she wasn't happy with the way they were administering insulin from day one
1: and, and with over over fifty years of doing it herself, uh, that should count for something shouldn't it
2: absolutely yeah okay. i've never I've never had to give her sugar tabs you know I lived with her when I was younger, um, never an emergency injection she had it on lock for as long as I can remember okay
1: so she. They find for somehow, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they find that a refracture or something wrong with the hip that requires another surgery. Is that right? Yes. Okay. And she, did she had that surgery, correct? Yes, she did. Okay. Now she comes out of the surgery, and this is when I got involved a little bit. Uh, she texted me and said, my blood sugar is 90, and they just gave me insulin, and I'm afraid I'm going to die tonight. Are you familiar with that?
2: Yes. Okay, what happened? And she texted me, or called me as well, and uh, let me get my book out. Um, she told me the same thing. They're trying to kill me. Uh, terrified.
1: Right, because and, she and knows what happens to her body when her sugar drops.
2: Yeah, yeah. It ended up going down to 40 that night.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, um, let, let me stop JR a second, because a 40 is in the coma range, it's called a hypoglycemic shock. When you, your brain needs a lot of sugar to, to operate. And when it goes down into that range, you become unconscious, your muscles don't work, you can't move your fingers, your arms, you're almost catatonic. You can't even squeeze a button for a nurse. That's how serious this is, okay, so I'm sorry j. r So what happens next?
2: So she went down to forty um did manage to get a nurse. They gave her uh sucralose tabs, and ended up getting it back up to a somewhat stable range um this was this was at six o'clock at night the next morning um the same thing that you know, they're, they're not checking, they're not handling her insulin. Everything's on a book, you know, everything, they have a certain way to give her insulin, and they stick to it. And whether her blood sugar is 400 or 90. If that if that chart says give her insulin at nine o'clock, they give her insulin at nine o'clock. There's like no, there's no personalization. It's what they say and they do it and that's it.
1: In other words, they didn't know what they were doing. I'll just, I'll just say that. So I, another time, uh, your mother texted me her sugar was 300 and some, I don't remember the exact number. And they were bringing in her dinner and giving her 15 units of insulin. And she said, what's this for? Are you familiar with that? When that happened to your mother?
2: yeah that happened just about every day wow <laughs> yeah wow. her sugar would be high they'd be giving her food yeah. you know yeah. you you have to, if we're giving you insulin you have to have food in front of you yeah. Which even makes no her, sense.
1: yeah even though her sugar is astronomically high another you know and that's going to impair her healing it's going to impair her muscles it's going to it, that high sugar is going to affect every system of her body, ladies and gentlemen, because when the sugar goes too high, you can, you can go into, uh, that type of coma and you have too much acid in your system. So whether it's too high or too low as a patient, you are at a tremendous disadvantage and you're not going to heal. Right. You're not going to think right. And you're not going to be able to do what's necessary to rehab that, whatever, whatever you're in for. So what else can you add from there, uh, J.R.?
2: Um, no, you nailed it. You can't, you, your function, your brain stops working. You know, when, when sugars are up and down. Did, did your mom get depressed? Absolutely. Terrified, depressed. Um, did, did she want to die? Yep.
1: Did she think she was going to die? Mm-hmm. Did she think the hospital was killing her? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, how would you like to be in the hospital in that frame of mind? Broken hip, diabetes, not knowing uh, if you're going to be living the next day. People yelling at you to to rehab, and you, your your muscles aren't responding. Bad enough that the the hip was was a, was mistreated probably from the beginning, but then after they got it. Uh, they'd the second surgery, whatever was done, a band or whatever, uh, muscles can't operate. She can't, she can't do what she could have done if her sugars were within a range that she's been keeping for years. Right? Right. So doctors don't always know best ladies and gentlemen, that's the point of this whole program. This is a personal This This affected me more than I, a, any other program because I know this this woman, okay. I know her son. Okay. If it wasn't that he got did start to get very proactive, God knows what was would be happening right now. So what's the take home message for you? For if God forbid if you or your loved one have to go in the hospital, what what would you say,
2: uh, Jr.? To be vigilant. Yeah. Be follow everything they do.
1: And I would add that if you don't have a son like Jr., it's important that you have a personal advocate. That advocate has to ask questions and take notes. For every medication that that person receives in the hospital, you should ask a question. What is this medication? What is it for? What's the dose? Even though they said they checked, that extra step of diligence to make sure your loved one is getting the right treatment. Really important uh, that, I, that I'm, I, I've always recommended, it, but now more than ever, you must have an advocate. And would you tell your friends about that also, uh, JR?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think most people, assume the hospital is a safe place and the doctor's hospitalists have the, the best interest in mind, but I don't know what, that's not the case, whether it's right. by design or not. it's Yeah.
1: See this pill for an ill treat, uh, paradigm that doctors are trained for is now outdated, we need a new training of physicians. And this is another program we'll have. Because 80% of the boards uh, of medical schools are pharmaceutical, past or present uh, people that worked in the pharmaceutical injury and industry. The pharmaceutical industry gets away with absolute murder, making billions and billions of dollars and uh we have to make them accountable and we have to make sure that deaths in hospitals that are due to medical error are reported that way and for a death caused by a medical error is defined as a death caused by poorly skilled staff errors in judgment a preventable that's a a key word, a preventable adverse effect, or systemic problems, which we didn't talk about. We're going to talk about it now. Systemic problems such as computer malfunctions or mix-ups over medication. Now, why, why wasn't your mom getting the insulin that she should have been getting all this time?
2: Well, when the hospital switched to the op, uh, different operating system, apparently there's a entry error. took one swipe of a key to change her from type one to type two.
1: So she's been seen by physicians from day one. And it, it appears to me, no one took a history to determine that she's had diabetes for over 50 years. No one bothered to talk to her about that. So they labeled her, she had a label as a type two diabetic, which means she should be controlled with oral medication and some insulin now and then wonder when under a lot of stress, like surgery, but this woman has no natural insulin. That's why she's a type one diabetic, but it was a computer error. How many years ago would you say that was,
2: they said 2018, the
1: Tw- 2018 somebody put the wrong stroke now if your mom wanted her endocrinologist or her family doctor to to come and see her
2: could she do that nope nope it has to be you know an employee of the that particular hospital or group of hospitals
1: and has she had the same employed hospitalist throughout her hospital stay
2: no no uh five or six Yeah.
1: And do you, in your opinion now, do you think any of them communicated with one another? Not at all. See, ladies and gentlemen, see the problem. Of course, this is in the hospital. Okay. And I'm in my 80s. So I remember when I was growing up, uh, the son of immigrant parents that they always said, stay out of the hospital because they'll kill you. Now, are we coming back to that? Is this is this where all our education and all our knowledge is leading? That you have to be afraid to go into the hospital because it's the third leading cause of death: medical errors. Uh, Jr, uh, I, I I don't know what to say about that, except that now that I you know you, you know I know your mom, and and I know you, and here we're we're, we're you're living this every day, aren't you?
2: Yep. Still going through it. It's, uh, it's, it's exhausting, but it's, you know, it's infuriating, exhausting. I'm sad to see my mom like this. Um, it sucks. It, that's, I don't know what else to say. Well,
1: you you mean, absolutely. I mean, this is, this shouldn't be in today's world. It should not be, uh, You should, when you, when you're under someone's medical care, it should be caring, it should be with knowledge. It should be with taking an interest in the person. It should be at least if they won't let her physician or treating physicians as an outpatient come into the hospital, you would think at least they would call them, get some information. What is she sensitive to? What works? What doesn't work? Because you could treat two people next to each other with the same treatment, one will live, one will die. I mean, that's, that's a fact, but maybe the one that died didn't have to die because they had some sensitivities to certain drugs, not allergies, but sensitivities that the treating physician knows about. And I'm really upset that these hospitalists, all they're interested in is making rounds, uh, and, and maybe keeping the nurses happy. And, and, and tell me uh, if you know anything about uh, them recommending some kind of uh, insulin because it was more convenient for the nurses rather than better for your mother. Do you know anything about that?
2: Well, that just happened uh, yesterday. So the doctor came in, he changed the chart. The, this is just a regular hospitalist came in, changed the chart back to type one, the way it should have been uh, within two or three hours, endocrinologist came back in and changed everything to fast acting insulin she was at fast acting in the morning and then slow acting at night a certain amount of units if her blood sugar was over 150 that's that's what the hospitalist did the endocrinologist came in and made it all fast acting yeah
1: so you know the right hand isn't talking to the left hand ladies and gentlemen and i i don't want to bore you with this but i want you to you know just take note of what this is a human life a human being that is putting their hands their life in the hands of a surgeon and medical people and a nursing staff and generally nursing staffs are fantastic okay they work their butts off and uh, they know what's going on but again as we learned during the chinese virus Doctors knew from the beginning that hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin would cure COVID, but their hospital administrators, their local medical societies and the AMA said, if you do that, we'll take your license away. Now, can you believe that ladies and gentlemen, that you could lose your license for writing a prescription for a drug you know could cure a person? You imagine the pressure the hospitalists, the nurses, and everyone else is in the hospital, 85% of them being on a payroll, do you think they want to lose their job? But they don't have the cojones to step up for the patient. That's my point. I've been talking about this for two years. Stick to your oath, do no harm. And if everybody does the right thing, they can't fire all of you. so please be the ceo do not be afraid to ask questions ask your doctor if you're going to have a test is it really necessary you know 30 percent of medical procedures are not necessary and it could put you at a risk don't be afraid to ask there's a study from 2013 from the mayo clinic that revealed between 40 and 78% of medical testing, treatments and procedures are of no benefit and could actually cause you harm. Don't be afraid to ask. And for the time being, my opinion, avoid hospitalizations, unless it's absolutely necessary. One in 25 people in the, in the United States contract, some form of infection in a hospital. 205 Americans die from hospital acquired infections each and every day. (coughs) You have to do your due diligence before anything is being done to you. And I cannot emphasize enough, you need a healthcare advocate, especially when you're hospitalized because then you're at an increased risk for medical errors and no regard for personalization of your care. Now, there's a book out there called Hospitals and Health. It's written by Andrew Saul, Dr. Saul from from, uh, California. And the book is a a guide for shorter hospital stay. If you're interested, you know know someone going in the hospital, it's it's kind of late for JR right now. But Andrew Saul's book, Hospitals and Health. And you know you probably shouldn't have to, but you might want to remind a nurse and a doctor to wash their hands or change their gloves before they touch you. Okay, be on the lookout if something isn't right. You have to you have to bring it to their attention. Your advocate, like like Jr., has to bring it to their attention. Sorry to put that kind of pressure on him, but you know his mom or or your loved one is going to be at a disadvantage. You know, intelligence is one thing. Intelligence is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, but it takes wisdom to know you don't put that tomato in a fruit salad. So there, these young guys have a lot of uh, education, a lot of, petrochemical education, but a lot of them don't have the wisdom yet. They haven't made enough mistakes, sorry to say. So we, you know, we have to insist that you, the treating physicians see your loved one as a person, not just as a fractured hip or not just as a diabetic. You know, not just as a, a heart patient not as just as a lung patient see the patient as a person okay so here we have a woman diabetic for over 50 some years breaks her hip apparently has it broken again but but not from a fall or was it broken again? Okay, we need Inspector Clouseau to to figure that one out. Was it missed? Was it broken during therapy? Was the wrong prosthetic impl- implanted in her hip? And to top it all off, she has diabetic she complications. She has her blood sugars from range from a low of forty, I think uh, Jr said to the high 300s, maybe even 400, I don't know. If it wasn't for JR, I'm sure it would be a lot worse than it is right now. So since since the uh, endocrinologist came in, do you think your mother's doing better?
2: Uh, I spoke to her this morning, she seems better, a little more optimistic. Um, it was nice just to have a doctor hear her, I know that that meant a lot Okay. because yeah. well, nobody th- was listening. Yeah, that's the problem.
1: And that's the problem we have in medicine today. And I've talked about it, JR. And even when you go to doctor's offices, especially doctors that are employed by these big medical centers, they sit there with their laptop or their tablet and with their head buried in the, in the, in the tablet and just type in a lot of things says, well, should we refill your medication or not? And they're asking the patient. Do you want your medicine refilled? Well, damn, aren't you going to examine me first? So uh, we, we have a problem and I I wanted our listeners to hear from you. Uh, And there's another book out there, ladies and gentlemen, it's called death by modern medicine. It's by Dr. Carolyn Dean. And it talks even about the insurance industry's uh, role in, in this death and the, and this direct, advertising on television, the billions of dollars spent, the lobbying spent by these companies. So instead of having a health industry that I signed on to uh, in 1965, when I got out of my residency, we have a sickness, sickness industry with 225,000 Americans dying each year by physician's activity or manner of activity or lack of, lack of, lack of, uh, activity, not, not taking a real interest. So anything else we, we want to add in here? I, I know I, I was, I got over you a couple of times, anything else you would like to add so that this, our listeners can just, just hear it from you
2: um it really seems like like they do this on purpose it really does just being here and i've reached out um reached out to lawyers just to see what kind of change could be made um nobody wants to take it unless it's a a death or a permanent injury wow you know what it comes down to it seems like the law protects them so much there's no accountability uh, it's just passing the buck from one person to the next wow all
1: right so i'm going to invite over the next couple of weeks uh, uh, dr negri on he's the one that wrote a great book on a century of naturopathic care uh, another physician, uh, from Canada, who's a naturopathic and uh, physician. And then we'll, we're, we're gonna invite some attorneys on, and maybe it's time that we, uh, form some advocacy groups for hospitalized patients, cause they're the ones we can identify quicker than those that are, uh, hurt outside. So maybe uh J. R., we, we'll have you on when, when I uh line up a couple of uh, attorneys uh that 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 could contribute to this this problem because uh, that 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 that's sad to hear. And I figure that if you don't have loss of income and and you you're not working that attorneys don't, don't they don't see uh a big payoff at the end. They're not too interested. Yeah. That, and that's what you found i guess yep it's all about the money ladies and gentlemen it's, it's getting less and less about the average citizen you and i people like jr and his mom uh it's all about the money even with the experimental and, and that's really a key word in these covid injections they are experimental somehow the pharmaceutical companies have uh got them into infants that don't even get COVID, don't die from COVID. So that's what we're up against. We're up against a lot of money and a lot of influence, and they're all protected. In fact, with this this, uh, COVID genetic manipulation in JAB, there's no liability. The Congress made sure that no one can get sued. The doctor that gives it to you, the the, the the pharmacists that get it give it to you, the people that make it. And now pharmacists, believe it or not, I and I, I, I my blood pressure is going to go too high. They're going to be able to treat people with no medical training. Wait do you see that? That's, that's why there's so many CBSs and Walgreens or whatever. They're going to have their own clinics. So I think it's time for a change, and maybe today with JR's help and and more people listening to my podcast uh, we we can get this word around we need advocacy for the hospitalized patient we need advocacy so ladies and gentlemen this program is on podbean dr ron unfiltered uncensored but i'm on alexa i'm on spotify iheart radio itunes radio Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Samsung. I can't even remember them all, but on most podcasts, Dr. Ron, D R Ron, unfiltered, uncensored. Let's start spreading this word around. Let people hear Jr. talk about his mom. Okay, let's see what we let's see what kind of feedback we have. My email is Ron D-O-C-R-O-N radio. D-O-C-R-O-N-Radio at gmail.com. You can reach me on telegram at doc ron unfiltered okay and that's completely encrypted nobody will know about it okay all right what should we say in closing jr
2: uh keep fighting keep stay vigilant stay on top of the hospitalists the doctors whoever and and you know don't let them get away with it okay
1: all right. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be re- revisiting this uh, again and, uh, and again and again until we see some some movement because this is serious. I mean, I could talk to you all day long about diet sodas and, and artificial sweeteners and whatever, but if you uh, are in an auto accident or you're riding your bike and you hit your head and you're in a hospital, you know, it could be over. I mean, you could be the, the healthiest person that's dying in the hospital and we don't want that. Okay, this is Dr. Ron. I'm going to sign out. I want to thank JR uh, for all the work he's doing for his mom. Uh, I'm sure she appreciates it. And uh, we will, uh, this show will air again at 4pm today on its regular schedule time. And uh, we'll be back next week talking again about this subject and naturopathic healing. And uh, we're going to continue uh, giving you tools so you can help yourself And hopefully, avoid being in the hospital hospital, except for a traumatic incident. You have to take care of yourself, ladies and gentlemen. You have to be the CEO of your own body. You have to take care of your loved ones. And if they're not in a position to do it, you have to hire a healthcare advocate. Do not let any of your loved ones go into a hospital without an advocate. Okay. Thanks, everybody.
2: Uh, Thanks for Freddie,
1: having me, Dr. Ron. Uh, you're welcome, J.R. And uh, Freddie Cooper is a good friend of mine, and he wrote this song for me. So we're going to play Freddie, and we're going to go home. See everybody.
0: Hey, everybody. Dr. Ron's finished for the day. I hope you got some good wisdom for what the man had to say. And it's all about good health. He's the man you got to see. He has a lot more answers for you. So tune in next week when the doctor is in the house. When the doctor is in the house, let the doctor know what's bothering you. When the doctor is in the house, the doctor is in the house, doctor is in the house, let the doctor know what's bothering you. call the doctor and let the doctor know what's bothering you when the doctor is in the house the doctor is in the house see you next week